This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Romans chapter 8, I'm going to read verses 5 and 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I want to speak to you this morning about something that I've titled The Author and the finisher of your story. You're writing the story of your life. What does it look like? What does it look like? We have an opening chapter, an opening dedication, and it says, this book, as a born-again believer, is dedicated to Jesus Christ, who saved me, made me a new creation in him. And we turn over from the dedication and we get into the chapters. How many do you have? How many do you have? The Bible is full of stories. The Bible is full of stories. It's stories about people's relationship with God. People who discovered God and who related to God. People who got to a place where they moved to an understanding of who he was and as a result of their interaction with him and as a result of his influence in their life, things began to happen and things began to change. And what they discovered was things on the inside of them begin to shift a little bit and they discovered that they weren't the same person that they used to be. And because they weren't the same person that they used to be, their perspective and their view of life began to shift and began to change and as a result of that their influence began to become more focused and they recognized their purpose and as they began to live out of purpose they began to fulfill something called the destiny of their life and they ended up in the pages of the bible but they got in there not because of anything that they did They got in there because they managed to learn who he was. They learned how to connect with life and how to let life bring about transformation in them and flow through them and have influence in their world. Yesterday, we went, um, uh, a girl on Vivi's lacrosse team, is Jewish, and she had a bat mitzvah. And so we went up to the temple. We must never lose a reverence and an honor and a respect for the reality that when you're dealing with spiritual things, you're dealing with God. It concerns me
And what the Holy Spirit really stirred up in me is that in our modern take on God, it's become too much about me and not about Him. If we knew we were dealing with God, I mean, if we seriously had a deep recognition of what we were dealing with, I think we would deal with him very differently. We would be very careful before I got so offended. I'd be very careful before I got into the flesh about stuff. I'd be very careful in the way that I handled things because I would recognize the fact that I have a responsibility to honor. I'm dealing with the creator of all things. I'm touching the Alpha and Omega. He loves us so much that he wants us to know him. And somehow, in that equation, he's got a little bit lost in the mud. And for us, it's about, am I happy? And am I fulfilled? And are my needs met? And am I this? And am I that? And I think that there is a place to bring back the honor and the recognition the appreciation for who we're dealing with. As Jewish people, they don't have the life of God on the inside of them, but you feel the honor when you walk into that place. They have a space in the front. It's called the Ark, and it's where they house the Torah, God's writings to man. And there's a reverential awe when you open the ark and you take out the Torah. There's still an appreciation for the fact that we're dealing with Jehovah. Don't ever lose it. We're writing the story of our life and the story of our life is going to be all about my relationship with him. Bible full of stories of people who discovered who he was and what he was all about. But their stories were a biography. It's not an encyclopedia. Their stories were all about their engagement with life and their interest with life and how they moved through life and how they discovered life and how life influenced them and what life brought about and, and what life introduced them to and what they were able to do as a result from living from a new space called life. But encyclopedia is just hard facts. It lives in the head. The story of their life is all about what happened in their heart and the things that took place in that space. It's a much deeper place. Everything that happens in their story starts off with an encounter. Not an idea that they had, not a great contribution to things, but it starts off with an encounter with life. God meets with Abraham and he says to Abraham, leave where you are and go to a place that I will take you. 
and I will make you a father of many nations. The encounter was not about the invitation. The encounter was about what life did on the inside of him. When God spoke to him, what ended up happening is life moved into that space. And it wasn't just about an invitation into something different. It was about a transformation in who he was. I was a single spouse, married to Sarai, but we had no family. And in that context, God comes in and he sits and says, I've made you a father of many nations. My identity shifted from childless to father of many nations. It was not just an idea that God put on the inside of him. It was a part of who he was that was transformed as a result of an interaction and an encounter with life. It changed who he was and how he saw himself. And he lived from that place. If you just get an idea from God, it's not going to sustain you through the challenges. You've got to get life. Life is not an idea. Life is about a transformation of who you are. It's about investing the very nature and the character, the promises of God into who I am. So it redefines my very being. And when I live from that place, what ends up happening is I'm able to go through certain things and realize certain challenges and move through all that everybody has to say about stuff because what's birthed on the inside of me is something that is full of life. Even when your head disagrees with you. You think for a moment that Abraham's head didn't disagree with him? Foolish man. It took 20 years for that to come to fruition. 20 years for him to have a son. Do you think in that time his brain didn't kick in and say, What are you believing? Should I tell you why your identity is so important and why God is more interested in your heart and your mind as opposed to your head? Because your heart and your mind are spiritual in nature. It defines who you are and it defines what you're all about. And when God moves into that space and God changes your identity, what ends up happening is the very substances that define the DNA of our being, our beliefs, change. And when your beliefs change and marry up with what he's all about, it puts you in a place where it promises you powerful living. All things are possible to him that. It's not just because you believe anything. Most of us believe stuff that we've picked up from our brain that defines who we are. And so we believe as a result of that, that I'm not as good and I'm not as smart and I'm not as worthy and I feel really guilty. I'm believing a whole bunch of stuff that's defining and my beliefs are incongruent with God. But when I have an encounter with him, he takes truth and he changes how I feel about myself. Not just because it's like a shift in that, but it changes who I am fundamentally. And when the substance changes, the belief changes. And when the belief changes, I can get myself congruent with God. The reason that Abraham was able to birth a son was because he had a changed part to who he was. His identity had been defined by life. In that space, your head is inconsequential. The things of the spirit are foolishness. 
to the mind, to the brain. Foolishness. Because my brain is very much programmed to live from my senses and my world. But my mind has the capacity and the ability to engage with the Spirit of God. Getting into Christmas. Mary. And the angel appears to Mary and speaks to Mary. And something happened to Mary that was the first time it happened since the creation of man. The Holy Spirit came upon her and she conceived life. The only other two people up until that point that had had the spirit of life on the inside of them were Adam and Eve, which they lost. Nobody else had it. She had it in a different way. She had it in a different form because what she had conceived was life on the inside of her. But the life that she had conceived on the inside of her was Jesus. But what he was doing was he was setting up a model. He was setting up something which was going to change, which is going to become a blueprint for what society was going to look from, like from that point. Because when Jesus was born, what ended up happening is he came out and he was God on the inside, Jesus on the outside. Spirit of God residing on the inside of him because he was conceived of the Holy Spirit, but he was Jesus in the flesh. He was the firstborn among many brethren. He was about to be. What he was doing was he was sitting saying this, things are changing. The God that you knew, the God that you used to go to the temple to respect, the God that you used to, to worship in that place, the God that you used to go and make sacrifices to, that God is coming out of the temple and he's coming to reside on the inside of who you are. I'm showing you what it's going to look like. I'm showing you what it's going to be like. And as a result of that, it's going to bring about a huge shift and a change of things. Because all things are going to pass away and everything's going to become brand new. You used to go to the temple and you used to have to meet to the, with the priest so he could tell you a whole bunch of stuff about God and you try and live your life that way. It was called the law. But old things are passing away and all things are becoming new. Now all of a sudden the Spirit of God is coming to reside on the inside of you. And as a result of residing on the inside of you, he's going to birth life inside of you, which is going to change who you are fundamentally. I'm not trying to live life like God. I'm allowing his fruit to come through me. All things have passed away. All things have become new. I used to live from my brain. I used to go to that place where I understood what, what was right and how to behave and how to act. And I understood the traditions and I understood the form and I understood the religion and I understood all of those things. And I was able to put myself in a place where I did that in a constructive, healthy, good way. And he said, all things, all things are passing away. And all, all things are passing away. All things are becoming brand new. I don't need you to think about stuff anymore, but I want you to understand that as the presence comes to reside on the inside of you, we need to migrate from our head to our heart, from my assessment of God and who he is in the natural to moving to my brain, my identity and who I am in a spiritual capacity, opening myself up to his influence because it's going to change who I am. We have God residing inside of who we are. When God moves in, all kinds of things shift. 
temple when he was still Saul, riding along on his donkey. And he has an encounter. He has an encounter. What happened? Christ moved in. And when Christ moved in, it fundamentally changed who he was because he got up. And you know what he said about that? It was something that was so profound and so real. It was an injection of life that, was in, in, uh, that changed and transformed who he was. This was the man who was respected and revered as being so educated, so regarded in the religious community. And he looked at everything that he knew, everything that he understood, everything that he had done, all the form that used to define him, and he said, crud! I spent my whole life doing that, and it's rubbish. He said, I've discovered life. When you're able to move from your head to your heart and you discover life, you will know it. Nobody has to tell you. You'll never get to the place where it's like, am I, am I not? You know it. He got up and he knew it. I don't need that anymore. I'm liberated. I'm free. I'm in a new place because I recognize the fact that the very God that I recognize and I, I try to understand and I try to comprehend and I try to connect with is connecting with me. Yeah. And he's doing some stuff inside of me that I can't do. And as a result of that, he lived from a different place. It was that life that was put inside in, into him that became the foundation for writing two-thirds of the New Testament. It wasn't because he was smart. It was because he was able to move from his head to his heart and engage the Spirit of God that was on the inside of him. He began to do some stuff in his life. And so we're writing our story. can't live from somebody else's encounter. It's called plagiarism. I can't live from your encounter. I've got to get my own. I've got to get my own encounter. You see, the thing about it is you've had an experience and as a result of your experience, you live a certain way. You see a certain way. You engage with life a certain way. And I can look at those things and I can see God in that. And I can sit and say, I want to be like that. But what I do with the invitation is so important. Because if I try to use you as a model, I will be introduced to hard work. I appreciate the fact that the story was written about you, but you know what? I want to be like that. So I start doing some really hard stuff and working in, in ways that are very good often. I do good things. I'm involved in good community projects. I'm doing all kinds of good stuff out there. There's nothing wrong with your good stuff except it doesn't have any life. The pursuit of the Christian is not good works, but life. Life. Anytime I'm trying really hard to do good stuff, the challenge with it is this. Jesus looks at it and his appraisal is, I'll quote him so that you can't throw anything at me. Filthy rags! 
You know why he calls it filthy rags? I'll tell you why. Because I've never come to the point of revelation where I recognize the fact that he paid the price so that I can experience some stuff that I can't get myself. And so instead of identifying and recognizing and submitting to the influence of life, what I do is I assume responsibility for doing some stuff in my life and in my world that he should be doing. And he says, why are you doing my job? Why are you doing my job? If you want a good story, you've got to have a good author. You never get a good story from a bad author. It doesn't happen. The pursuit of the Christian life is to discover the author. The author. The author is Jesus Christ. The story of our life is going to be about him, and it's going to be written by him. The wonderful thing about it is this. When you find the author, you'll discover the finisher at the same time, which is a really good thing. Because the work that he's begun in you, he will be faithful to complete it. But that, that is not just a promise. It is a disposition it's coming to the place of recognizing that I can't do certain things. And so I'm living from a place where I'm looking for him to fulfill what he started inside of me. Don't take the reins and run with it. You can't do it. He has to do it. It's all about what he wants to do. Jesus said, now remember Jesus was the man, okay? And he had the spirit of God on the inside of him. Jesus said, the works that I do, I don't do them. It's the Father in me that doeth the works. You know what he was saying? He was saying, flesh can't get the job done. If you want to have a story written about you, back off, Jack. <laughs> if you want to have a story written about you, what we have to do is we come to a place where it's no longer I who lives. What does he want to do through me? What does he want to do through me? Jesus was born into a very religious environment, being Jewish. The thing about it was, the religious rulers of the day knew a lot about God. But Jesus, in that mix, was the word made flesh. There's a big difference. They all knew about God, but ironically, they never recognized life when it presented itself. It becomes so important for us because what ends up happening is what God wants to do on the inside of us begins to change who we are. And when he begins to shift and change who I am and my identity, I live from a different place. And in that space, it's, I begin to understand what it is to live and move and have my being in him. He's not separate from me. He's wanting to become a part of who I am. He's not wanting to be out there. He's wanting for me to recognize the fact that his presence has moved in and he's wanting to give redefinition to that space. But he needs my consent, because he gave you a free will. It's called renewing the mind. That's what it's all about. Every step is an invitation to say, will you partner with me? Will you partner with me? 
John 10.10 says, Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. He came to give us life. The pursuit of the Christian is life. It's life. It's not good works. If you want a story written about you, I've got to connect with life. I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Okay, so here's the idea. When he speaks about abundant life, he's not talking about quality. He's talking about quantity. What do you mean? Life is life. Death is death. If you're dead, you're dead. You don't get any deader than dead. If you got life, you got life. It's like pregnancy. Are you pregnant or aren't you? This is, not, this is no gray matter here. There's no gray in between. I'm kind of quasi. You're not. You're either pregnant or you're not. Do we have life or don't we? It's about quantity, not quality. The quality is there. Life does what life does. Life brings the fullness of its vitality into an environment and brings about change and transformation because it's life. He's not talking about degrees of life. Life is full. What he's saying is you either have life or death. But to what degree do you have life? I came to give you life in its fullness. What he's talking about is he's talking about renewing the mind. He's talking about transformation. He's talking about the fact that God, who's taken up residence on the inside of me, has extended an invitation to me and continues to extend an invitation to me to move to a place where I allow Christ to redefine who I am. In religious terms, I call it sanctification. But basically what it is, it's about me no longer living, but Christ living in me. Let me give you a practical example. I know it's one I've used before, but it, it just it makes the point. It's just simple. Anytime we have an experience that is charged with death, it's, it's a worldly experience. Anything outside of God is, doesn't carry life. And I have an adverse situation that happens. And I interpret that situation in a certain way. It means that I'm not smart. Okay, when I take that idea and I allow that idea to define who I am, it begins to become the substance that informs my beliefs. If I don't believe I'm smart, I think I am not as good as other people. There's the belief. The belief has just been born as a result of something that I let into who I am, my identity. And as a result of that, I live from that all the time. Because we get born again doesn't mean that I am like Christ. There are plenty of Christians who still live outside of God's design for them. They're called carnal Christians. Plenty of people. It doesn't mean they're not going to heaven. It just means they haven't allowed the life that's on the inside of them to have an influence in defining their identity. That's the mind. The mind is who you are. It's that part of you that, that carries within it the will. The ability to be able to sit and say, I want that, I don't want that. Children are children. Christians choose, choose all the time. That's why so many Christians don't always choose life. I have the prerogative of choice. The invitation he extends to us is not my will, but thine be done. What he's saying is in that place, I want to redefine who you are. But unless you submit your will and allow me to have influence in that space, I can't go in there. 
I've given you the prerogative of choice. So the whole thing about being um, conformed to the image of Christ is a relational one where, where I'm living from a place where I don't feel like I'm worthy or I'm good or that I'm second rate to everybody else is a place that's been defined by me and my identity. And in that space, the Holy Spirit has a look and he sits and says, oh, that's not of Christ. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. That's the truth. But you're holding on to this. So what he's saying is, I want to birth that on the inside of you. Do you want it? And I've got to make a choice. I've got to make a choice. Because I can't have righteousness living in the same place where I feel as I'm second rate. One of them's got to give. And in that space, he's saying, the only way that I can birth my life on the inside of you, the truth of who you are, the fact that you are the righteousness of God in Christ, is if you prepare to die to what you've established in your identity. When I die to that, I open the door for the Holy Spirit to birth something inside of who I am, something of Christ. What else happening? I'm renewing my mind. I'm in the process of becoming. I'm becoming conformed to the image of Christ. It's happening step by step. I'm integrally involved in the process. I don't do it. The Holy Spirit does, but he's waiting for my consent. Before Colton was born, we weren't parents. We were a married couple. So you do a bit of research to find out what parenting is all about. You get some information, you get some knowledge, you do some watching of this and reading of that. What are you trying to do? You understand that you're in one reality, but the invitation is to move into a new reality called parenting. But I'm not there yet. But maybe I can get some information so I can kind of peep over the wall and get an idea as to what that reality looks like. I'm trying to get a definition. I'm trying to get some ideas to what that reality is like. And it's living in my mind. But it's an abstract. It's a notion. It's only when Colton was born, when life arrived, in that instant, I was taken out of one reality and placed in another. And the funny thing about it is, being grounded and rooted in parenting... I suddenly discovered some of the notions kind of made sense, but actually there's so much more to parenting than I ever imagined. But I only discovered it when I became it. We think we know what faith is all about, but we only discover it when it becomes a part of who we are. We think we know what patience is all about, but we only discover it when we become the patience. When God created man, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, he's creating man and he makes him of the dust and man is there. Adam is lying there. Adam was going to know that he was created in God's image. He was going to know that he was designed to reflect God's likeness. He was going to know that he was to have dominion. He was going to know that he was to be to multiply and replenish the earth, subdue it and rule over it. He was going to know all of those things. But all of those things were immaterial and inconsequential until God breathed the spirit of life into him and he became. We are not in the process of knowing. We are in the process of becoming. 
And becoming is 100% dependent on what the spirit of life breathes into you. I can't create life. I can't manufacture it. I can't make it happen. I can try to manage who I am as best I can. I can use medication. I can use all kinds of stuff to try and manage my reality, my, my identity, and the behaviors of my life. The only way that I fundamentally shift is when life is born on the inside of me and old things pass away and all things start to become new. Oh, I ran out of time. Um, hold on, let me just, sorry. Let me see, I can paraphrase this. Uh, let me just leave you with one thought and then, then. When I connect with life and I connect with God, it moves me to a space where I move beyond a form of godliness and I begin to engage with the power thereof. Up until that point, I have a form. I can be religious and look really good. It's form, but I don't have life. Okay, so this is the thought. Jesus, in I think it's John chapter 15, talks about I'm the vine and you are the branches. How do I become the branch? How do I connect with the vine? Because the thing is, the aspects to my life I know can't be connected because they're not of him. It's probably just me. Just <laughs> say, say we're going to pray for you, Gavin. <laughs> you poor sod. This is how you connect to the vine. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The example that I gave you about being, having your mind renewed, having that part, your identity made new, is how I begin to connect to the vine. When I let go of who I used to be, and I embrace what Christ wants to birth on the inside of me, every part that he births on the inside of me that is of Christ is connected to the vine. Every part that he births inside of who I am that is connected to the vine carries within it the life to produce its own fruit. In that space, I don't have to be a fruit. I don't need to try and manufacture fruit. Fruit is produced from the root. When I'm connected to the vine, it happens in my life. That's a place we call to. That's the place where we get a whole bunch of subject matter to write a great story. God is so interested in you and he loves you so very much. And your expression of him is going to be very different to everybody else's. And that's a good thing. You to be you. But what's most important is recognize this. The moment you got born again, the very life and the fullness of God came to live on the inside of you. You have options available now to define who you are that you never had before. And the invitation that the Holy Spirit extends to us is to sit and say, do you want 
to be conformed to his image or not? As we journey through life, we don't have to carry on living with our finger on our pulse. If you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, what we do is we start to develop a sensitivity to the fact that he's speaking to me all the time. And I can promise you, when you do things or say things or behave in ways that are outside of his nature, you won't have to listen very hard to feel a sense of conviction about it. I'll tell you why that's important. Because you know what it just says to you. You've just heard God. People who say they can't hear God, you can. Go and tell your wife a lie on purpose. <laughs> just to see if you can hear God's voice. You'll feel something on the inside and then you can say, I'm just kidding. I just wanted to see if I could hear God's voice. <laughs> the point is you feel a conviction on the inside of you. The reason I'm telling you that is because you think you can't hear him. You can. The invitation is to begin to become overtly sensitive to the fact that that's how he communicates with me. And so as I journey through my life, as I journey through my day, as I engage with traffic and people and office work and everything else, I'm becoming overtly aware to the fact that I have all of this stuff in my world, but I have truth inside of me. And truth, as I develop an ear to be sensitive to that, I allow that to give me direction and influence. I allow it to bring about change and transformation in me because when I do things that I shouldn't be doing, it's closely followed by an invitation to sit and say, would you like to get rid of that? Yeah. Our actions don't come out of a vacuum. Our words don't come out of a vacuum. There's something on the inside of who I am that's defining me that's not of him. When I behave in ways and speak from places that are not of him, where does it come from? Hurt? Anger? I don't know what that root of that is. I don't need to know that's between you and him. The point is, what he's wanting to do is, he's wanting to walk us into the fullness of who he is. I just want to say one thing. I, I, I don't know why I want to say this, but Sarah and I were talking about this yesterday. And sometimes life is so hard because... You have people in your life and you care for them. But the challenge with it is you, you don't always know how to navigate some paths because sometimes they're not born again. But it's good. Get some people in your life who aren't born again. You're never going to minister to anyone if you only stick with church people. But you've got to have sensitivity to know how to handle that because I don't want to hit them over the head with the word that's not my job. But at the same time, sometimes the way that they behave and the way that they act is so fleshly because they don't know an alternative that it can be quite offensive, even hurtful. The Lord's been talking to me a little bit about the importance of being whole and complete in him. Holiness is about wholeness and completion in him. The point is this. When I'm complete and whole in him, I'm self-sufficient in that relationship. And when I'm happy and I'm established in that relationship, what I find is stuff can happen out here. And although I can look at it and see it and I'm aware of it, it doesn't affect me the same way because I'm established in completion and wholeness. When I'm vulnerable and incomplete, when I have parts to my life that are, that are hurt and damaged, what happens is somebody says something and I react from my place of hurt or damage as opposed from completion and wholeness. 
The reason I'm telling you that is because being conformed to his image has a much bigger role to play in our life than just being able to write a story. It establishes us in a place where we're able to make meaningful influence in life. Up until that point, we're reactionary because we live from the flesh like other people. But I'm not to live from the flesh, I'm to live from Christ in me. Sorry, I haven't got time to talk about that. Uh, sorry, I kept you for like nearly another 15 minutes. Um, write a story. Find out about God in your life this week. If you do nothing else, become overtly sensitive to promptings inside of you. If you just do that, you know what? At a practical level, I'm starting to connect with the spirit realm. And I'm starting to feel some stuff. And it opens the door to so much more that you can do. But it's a practical step how you can walk into that. Father, just bless every person who's here today. I want to thank you for their hunger for you and the things of yours. I want to thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're within us and the fullness of Christ is resident on, on the inside of us. I thank you for the change you're making in us and the transformation that you're introducing us to who we truly are made in the image of Christ. I thank you for an exciting journey, a journey of discovery, transformation, newness, dependence on you. Let us keep the focus in front of us. It's about discovering the author and living from life. I bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.